Proverbs 18. This is friends and family Sunday. Now, it's nice when your family can also be your friend. <laughs> Doesn't always happen. It's helpful. Have you ever been guilty of thinking, I love them, but don't really like them? You might be normal if that's your case. <clears throat> Proverbs 18, verse 24 says this, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that what? That sticks closer than a brother. How many think you know who that friend is? Come on, somebody say that name that's above every other name. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time here today. I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. Your word that we've read is anointed. It always has been. It always will be. We pray that your spirit would touch us in this house. We want we want your name to be lifted up. We want everything we say and everything we do to magnify your name, to exalt your most precious and most holy name. And everybody said, amen. Before you're seated, find two or three people and ask them this question. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? A man dialed a wrong number. He got the following recording. That voicemail said, I'm not available right now, but I thank you for caring enough to call. I'm making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. By the way, if I do not return your call, you are one of the changes. <laughs> Anyone waiting on a call back, I don't mean to put you on edge. Try them one more time. To our college students, I read this statement this week. I thought this was funny. A young man in Bible college fell asleep during class. It happens. As he was sleeping, a friend, you know what air quotes mean, right? A friend. A friend of the young man suddenly shook him earnestly and whispered, hey, he just asked you to pray. The sleeping young adult, thinking he had just been called to pray, jumped to his feet and began his prayer while partly asleep, interrupting the teacher's lesson who just looked at him a little bewildered. The student finished his prayer and sat down. The teacher said, thank you, and continued his lesson. Choose your friends wisely. <laughs> How many know there are some friends that you trust with certain things and there are some friends you don't? They're a lot of fun, but they're not your most confidential friend. Don't raise your hand unless they're sitting next to you. Close, trusting relationship. That's what friendship really be. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it seems the Bible presents friendship in one of, or in two different ways, one of them denoting that associate or that companion, while one is that of affection or devotion. 
they're my friend, they're my friend by association, or they're my friend because of a deep, loving companionship. We see surface friendships even mentioned in places like Genesis 38 and the companions or the associates, rather, of Judah. But we see places in Scripture where that friendship, that deep bond of relational value is on display. And thank God. Now, there was this little invention that came out a handful of years ago called Facebook that started making people think they had a lot of friends. People were astounded to find out how popular they were. Clip coupons? Let's be friends. Like to eat at Chinese buffet? Friend it. My cousin's niece's nephew's buddy once met you one t- Let's be friends. Have you ever edited your friends online? Have you ever passed the test by saying, well, we're friends on Facebook? Have you ever accepted a friend because they were friends with someone else? I hope not, but most of us have. The truth is this. If we say we're going to be a friend, we should be a friend. If we say we're going to have a relationship We should, in fact, have a relationship. Now, there are all kinds of friends and all kinds of friendships. Some friends will get you in trouble. Some friends think it's their role to get you in trouble. Some friends will keep you out of trouble. I will tell you this, we need friends that balance us. And as the pastor, I would be remiss to not tell you everyone needs friends that help you strive to be more spiritual. I'm not talking about fake religiosity. I'm talking about people that challenge you to pray more, to stay closer to Jesus, To want to be like him. Friendship has never been simply relegated to that of earthly association. For there was this guy in the Old Testament by the name of Moses that comes on display. And another man by the name of Abraham. And we find out that they had a close walk and relationship with God. In fact, it was the first man and the first Woman of our text, let's do a little pop quiz. Their names were Adam and Eve. And it was told to us in the opening book that God, the the, the Spirit of the Lord, walked in the cool of the day because he desired to have fellowship with them. By the time we get to Proverbs and the writer is writing here, he is talking about a, a friend being Friendly, and he's talking about fellowship, companionship. Now, I will tell you that one of the greatest theologians, man by the name of Clark, or considered one of the great theologians, he made a statement, Brother Chris, I found great concern with. In reading through commentaries this week, he made a statement that said, Solomon was never speaking about Christ. He would not have known about Christ and the penmanship of the 18th chapter would not have been in recognition of the Messiah, but rather the generalities of friendship to which I would tell him, I don't believe there's a single scripture that was not God breathed and God ordained. But they spoke and they wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost so that we might have a holy writ to gather in and open up the word. Yes. 
How many know there are all kinds of people trying to reason away the Word of God, making it the thing of theological arguments, but I'm here to tell you this Word is meant to be way more than some debate in a room somewhere. This is a Word that's meant to teach men and women there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Has your life let you down? I've got good news for you. There is a God that will never let you down. Do you have a father that's walked away? I've got good news for you. I'm sorry that happened, but there is a heavenly father that cares about you. If an earthly father knows how to give gifts, the Bible says, how much more does our heavenly father, if you have a mother relationship that has been non-influential or has hurt you, I've got good news for you right now. There is a God that the Bible says is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is the revelation of that love that I want someone to hear about in this place today. Because every man, every woman, whether you are an elder or whether you are younger, I want you to hear me very clearly right now. There is nothing greater than the love of God. Woo! I'm thankful for your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, but it doesn't come close to touching the love of God. I'm thankful for how you feel about your spouse. It's meant to mirror, but it cannot replace. In fact, it cannot compare to the love of God. I'm glad you love your job, but there's nothing like the love of God. Come on, we have overused the word love. We love everything. We love food. We love clothes. We love, but there is one love that is greater than any love that this world has ever been a partaker of. I'm talking to somebody that needs to hear me tell you right now. Life maybe has not been easy, but you hear this preacher. He loves you. He bought you with a price so that you don't have to feel overwhelmed or discouraged or downtrodden or stay in your depression. He loves you. I know you've had friends walk away from you, but he is a friend that is closer. Come on, where are my witnesses at on a Sunday morning? You've had friends come and go, but you found he is sweeter as the years go by. You've had people that you love that have walked away, but every morning when you got up and you called on the name of the Lord, you found out he's still as close as the mention of his name. Come on, people mess up, but he is without fail. He is unwavering. He is unchanging. And the wise man wrote it right when he told us that he is a friend. That's closer than a brother. Be seated. If you have a sibling, please raise your hand. You ever wanted to kill him? Keep your hand up. More people raise their hand the second time. Some of you didn't want to answer the question until I asked about killing. I always wanted to say this in church. If your sibling's sitting near you, that may be a problem. Do we have anything competitive at the one to four? Maybe they can joust it out or something. If you will order the giant punching ring. Thank you. Um. But it's true, isn't it? Somebody told me this week, my best friend, he, we were talking, we were talking about family, and he said, you know, family looks at you through a magnifying glass. Don't they? They know your, they know your issues. Brother Massengill, family knows. Come in, your suit looks nice, everything's good. Your family knows. Try to cover some things up. Try to even cover up who you are. You ever say something and catch eyes of a family member? You're trying to tell a story or you're talking about something that happened and you look over and one of your siblings has their eyes locked like, I know the rest of that story. <laughs> I know who you really are. <laughs> and siblings can do that. It's one of my favorite stories in all of the scriptures. 
It's the story in Luke chapter 10. And I would ask you to turn your attention there. It's Luke chapter 10, just so that maybe you have it. It's between this girl by the name of Mary and Martha. And I, I've, I've preached on it. I'll preach on it again. But I love this story because I think it's just so human. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's a pretty awesome story. It came to pass, verse 38 says, that as they went, that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. If I could today, I would have maybe even titled this, but I didn't want it to be just for our women. Or I don't want anybody to disconnect, but I, I, I might have just called this today, she had a sister named Mary. Listen, Mary was awesome. And Jesus is going to disclose it. But Martha is annoyed with her. I don't care how spiritual you are. You get annoyed. No, I never do. <laughs> never do. Never even get mad. I'm a Christian. Maybe not because you lie. <laughs> And Jesus is coming. Now, the entire reason we've done everything on the refreshing of this building, the entire reason that we have directors and team leaders and all the people come together, the entire reason that over a thousand people are at 902 Fletcher today is for this reason. We were hoping Jesus would be here. It's like the whole reason. We don't show up and get here and then we're like, wow. Like I had no idea, no idea Jesus was coming. In fact, I would just take this preacher's pause to tell you, if you go to a church where Jesus does not regularly show up, that is problematic. This is his house. This is his place. There's no such thing as Christ-free Christianity, even though I'm afraid we've got a world peddling it. Okay, keep it light, friends and family. I don't want to keep it light. Listen to me. We got we to gotta follow Christ. We've got to make a decision. When, when Christ calls you into a relationship with him, it will cost you things in this world. Because the same one who is a friend that sticks closer than a brother is the same one who let us be known that we would be hated for his name's sake. Come on, for his name's sake. And so here, here comes Jesus and the gang and they're showing up to Martha and Mary's house. And Martha, I've preached this extremely uh, uh, dramatized in the way that Martha is preparing the food. And I love that she's preparing food. No one wants to go to lunch and nobody's cooked. It's like showing up to Thanksgiving and they tell you, be here at 11 and you get there and they say, we're eating it too. <laughs> you ever been there and thought to yourself, then why did you tell me be here till 11? I would have went and ate a really good breakfast and then prepared for this. There's nothing worse than setting and waiting. But Martha is preparing. She is cooking. She is baking. She is there. Because I've, I've, I've told you this before. She's not just getting Jesus. She's getting Jesus' friends. Friends and family. What person in this room would be absolutely irritated if you invite someone for dinner and without telling you they bring a friend with them? I saw some ladies' faces in this room like, he did do that. <laughs> Husbands, sometimes we don't think anything about it. Hey, babe, just wanted you to know that, that Joe's coming over for dinner. 
Jesus coming with 12 of his closest buddies. Nothing will make you hungry like a long, hot day of walking in the sand. Come walking in, and you've got Jesus, and you've got his disciples, and you've got the entourage, and Mary is in there doing. Now, I want to say something. In this church, we believe that ministry is way bigger than a microphone. Moretta wasn't preaching today, but when you walked in here, Moretta and that team that was working at the coffee booth, they were here way before anybody else so that they could be in there prepared to do something called the ministry of service. I want to tell you something we celebrate at Calvary. We celebrate people that will serve. Well, it's not that big of a deal to serve at a funeral dinner. Wrong. It will be when it's your family affected by the people that don't get much credibility. How about the person behind the scenes that's cleaning the floors or working in the bathrooms? Or We don't spend a lot of time saying, who wants to be a paper copier? Who wants to build slides for the media when the pastor changes his mind? Shout out. Might not seem glamorous, but listen to me. It is important. And a lot of times, you got to be a car guy. The car guys will get this. Car guys like how it looks on the inside, but one of your first questions is, can you pop the hood? I've been with people when that question was asked that they were like, why would you want to see under the hood? Wouldn't you like to know what's driving you? Looking pretty alone does not get the job done. So Martha is in preparation mode and we see her. Everybody, she's cooking. She is cooking up a storm. She is working hard. And you know where Mary's at. Somebody yell at me, where is Mary? She's at Jesus' feet. Now we over-spiritualize this. Brother Sean, it's a great place and we're about to get a little bit of a chastise from Christ. It's right that she's at Jesus' feet. But I'm going to tell you right now, Sister Shank, as sweet as you are, if guests are coming over and you're getting the house ready and you go in and he's just in there praying, Lord, I need you to help my wife. <laughs> you wouldn't be mad at all, would you? Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't get permission, but I see you walking in there. It probably wouldn't be mad. It probably, it probably wouldn't be babe. It'd probably be bad. Matthew! <laughs> you're going to get in here, and you're going to help me. And we look at Martha, and we're like, Martha, you're not spiritual at all. She was consumed with trying to make it good. She wanted it to taste well. But at the end of the day, she needed to get keyed into the fact it doesn't have to be perfect because he is. I want you to, tell, I want you to hear me right now. Friends and family, hear me. One of the greatest, one of the greatest issues that we battle is we compare each other. We take that magnifying glass out and we look at each other. And if we're not careful, we evaluate each other's walk. We evaluate each other's praise. We evaluate each, we evaluate each other's dress. We evaluate, we do it, we do it. We look in, we take the magnet and we evaluate. And our number one desire, Martha, don't judge Mary. And Mary, stop judging Martha. Work together to honor Christ. Work together to honor Christ. Please hear me. Jesus was not upset at Martha for cooking. I've heard this preached in such a way that it was, it was kind of turned around at one point. Martha should have been at his feet too. I think the disciples are okay. She's cooking. If Mary would have said, Martha, get out here with me. I could see Simon. Shh, 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 shh. Be still, girl. 
Yeah, but Jesus is about to look at her and say, there's one thing that's needful and, and your sister has found it and I'm not gonna take it away. That's when, that's when Martha huffs and puffs and walks out there. Jesus, tell her, get in the kitchen. And, and, and we've seen that and we've taken from that. Well, Martha should have been at his feet too. No, listen, what Martha should have done was honored what her sister was doing. Because ladies and gentlemen, this is not about us judging the abilities of each other, but it's about giving what we feel called to, to the king. Martha, there are ladies in this, in this room right now, your greatest gifting is to bake a pie and take it to someone in need. Men, there are, there are men in this room right now that you are not called to lead a group and you're not called to hold a microphone, but you might be able to show up at somebody's house and fix their brake lines or help them get... You hear me right now. Well, that's not very spiritual. Yes, it is spiritual. A true friend is found friendly. Someone that shows up and says, listen, I'm going to preach for a minute. Is this okay? Sometimes we pray about things we could do. God, I pray you'd bless them. And he's thinking, I did. I let you find out. God, I wish you'd bless them with some finances. He's like, the only reason you found out is because you're in a place where you could slip them $100 and it not hurt you right now. God, I wish you'd let somebody help them with their brake lines. And he's saying, you, you got the name on the shirt to prove you're the guy. God, I, I really wish that you'd let somebody get them some meals during this time of distress. And he's like, Really? Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family is all about coming alongside one another, not judging the actions of one another, but empowering one another to give their very best to Christ. If your specialty is cleaning, guess what? You're an amazing part of the kingdom of God. If your specialty is cooking, guess what? Your specialty is excellent for the kingdom of God. If you're called to be a preacher, guess what? Your specialty is awesome for the... But it's not Mary versus Martha. And it's not meant to be Martha versus Mary. Because if the enemy has his way, he'll let this introductory thing that slipped in amongst Cain and Abel become a part of friends and a part of family. Where instead of honoring what each other gives to God, we compare ourselves against one another. Well, if you were a little more holy, if you were a little nicer, well, if you were a little nicer, you wouldn't have started this sentence that way. <laughs> I'm not talking about false humility. Hear me right now. False humility is ego on display. I'm talking about genuine love one for another. Here's why I think that, that Solomon was, in fact, writing about Christ I do believe that it was God-breathed. And yes, hear me, I'm, I want to say clearly, I don't think Solomon saw Christ. I, I don't know necessarily that Solomon saw God, but I do think God saw Solomon. In that writing of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 about being friendly, because there was a statement that was going to come, and I would turn your attention right now to the book of John with me. John the 15th chapter. John chapter 15, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. How many want your friends to be happy? How many want your family to be happy? The incredible dynamic of the church. Brother Henderson is this. We're supposed to be friends that are family. It's what the church is. Not where I, as a preacher, 
look at the people that are preparing for the dinner and say, hey, you do what makes me happy and it should make you happy. It doesn't work that way. Everybody in this room has somebody in your family that something makes them happy that brings you no joy. Mm, I don't know if I should say a few things. Forgive me. Antiquing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If you're a person that one of the greatest parts of your summer is to get up at 5 or 6 a.m. so that you can map out yard sales. <laughs> and to my parents that will watch later. No. <laughs> Isn't this fun? <clears throat> Any kid that has ever been drugged to yard sales. What are we doing? We're going to look through their stuff. <laughs> Garage sales <laughs> are like approved stalking. <laughs> I've always wanted to rummage through your things. I had hoped there was a day that you would take everything from inside and bring it outside. I wanted you to use it first. <laughs> There's a few people out. <laughs> You're a yard sailor. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> That's enough. But if it makes them happy, I remember, I remember having this debate with my parents one time and the entire foundation of it was with the word why. Why? But it brought them joy. Listen, can I tell you something? This is a genuine statement. It brings me zero joy. I'll tell you what brings me joy, that it brings them joy. Brother Turner, I'm not going. I'm not going. I love you, but if you invite me, you can invite me a lot of places. One place I'm not going with you is to a yard sale. But if it makes you happy, why can't I celebrate our differences in that? And there are things in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, thank God we don't all have to be the identical. How many know that's true? I want to tell you something so that your joy can be full. The church ought to look like a, it ought to look like a patchwork quilt of people that don't look the same, don't sound the same, don't have the same background, don't have the same ethnicity. Listen, don't like the same food. I can't believe you don't. Leave them alone. Here's the thing that makes us love each other. We are children of God. So maybe they like Southern gospel and you like so. Who cares when we come in this building? All that matters, they're a child of God. He's a child of God. She's a child of God. He's a child of God. She's a child of God. They've been in church 50 years. Good news. They've been in church 50 minutes. They got all the lingo down. They don't even know there is lingo. Good news. He's the God of everybody. We're friends and we are family. John 15, I got to do this so I'll stop and let you go eat and play cornhole and whatever. I don't know what that is today happening, but 
They asked me to be a part of a marriage game. Pray for us. John 15, verse 11. I read it there. Verse 12. This is my commandment. Everybody say commandment. Now, everybody knows a commandment's a big deal. Brother Marshall, a commandment's a big deal. You do Bible quizzing. Commandment, big deal. Like key into it, okay? That ye what? Love one another. And we stop there. But he didn't. As I have loved you. Brother Coogan, I'm glad he accepted me with all my deficiencies. I'm glad he accepted me with all my faults and failures. Well, I don't love them because they're a jerk. You might not like them sometimes, but you got to love them. Yeah, but I don't know if I can forgive them. According to that book, if you want mercy to you, how many know that we better measure out some mercy to others? Love one another as I have loved you. Read verse 13 with me. Let's look at it. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life. For who? Hear me right now. You are a friend of God. I know he's your savior. I know he's your creator. Some people theologically, they didn't like that. When, when, when that song, Friend of God, came out, I'm not his friend, I'm his servant. You are, I understand, but you hear me right now. The only reason you're here is because he looked forward in time and he laid down his life. Hell did not take his life. Satan did not take his life. He laid down his he laid down his life for you. That's why scattered across this room right now are hundreds of people that recognize I would not be here had he not walked this earth and chose Calvary's hillside and walked to a rugged cross so that I could walk in. I was a drunk, but I'm not anymore. I was a liar, but I'm not anymore. I was a heathen, but I'm not anymore. Why not? Because greater love hath no man than this, but that he would lay down his life for a friend's. And he goes on and says, ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever I command you. Now that, I'm going to tell you right now, that's a tough way to enter into a friendship negotiation. <laughs> we'll be friends as long as you do whatever I tell you. That's why some of you don't have a date. Okay. Uh, just kidding. Just, just kidding. Kind of, um, but it was true because if I'm really a friend of God, it means that I honor his word. He is maybe calling me into a friendship and a relationship, but he's not calling me into the kind of friendship that is some dime store version of Christianity where I can choose what of his words I will believe and what part of relational value I will accept. Ooh, I felt a little nudge. I'll just stay there for a second, okay? Hear me right now. True Following of Jesus Christ is where we will say, whatever it takes, I must follow him. Whatever I must lay down, I must follow him. Ladies and gentlemen, if he laid down his life for us, don't you think we should lay down some addictions? If he laid down his life for us, don't you think we can lay down some preferences and ideologies and social customs and some things? I don't want anything from this world to keep me from the eternity that he has laid down his life to prepare for me. Amen. Verse 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but... I've called you friends for all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known unto you. What's it mean to be a friend? I want to give you a true description. I think it means to love like him. If you're going to be a good friend, you've got to be someone that's trusted. If you're a true friend, you're someone that's valued whose opinion matters. I'm not talking about super 
superficial friendship. I'm talking about supernatural friendship. Well, we can't be friends anymore because their political views are different than mine. We can't be friends because they grew up on that side of the tracks and I grew up on this. It's not how this works. Your greatest friends should also be your family. Well, pastor, what do you, what do you mean? The family of God. The family of God. There's people all around this room right now, as I come to a close, there's people all around this room right now that have suffered great hurt from family. There are people all around this room right now that you're the only person in your entire biological family that lives for God. Do you listen to me right now? You are not alone. You may have shown up because a friend invited you to come today and you came and you heard the music, you heard the worship, and you, you, I, you've listened to me preach and yell a little bit. Maybe you've felt something in this house. If you have felt anything, if at any point during the preaching or any time during the singing, maybe you even felt some goosebumps on your neck or something. You're like, man, that was cool. What, what was that? I want you to know it's because he saw you and he loves you. So much, in fact, that he gave a, a, a plan and paid a price for you. According to this same scripture, you were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I need. I need a witness in this room that has found out his plan works. I mean, you really found out. Is there anybody in this room that used to be addicted to something, but you found out his plan works and he took addiction even out of your life? Go ahead and stand. We're not embarrassing you. We're lifting a testimony right now. Is there anybody in this room that your life was broken and you were on your way in a down your downward spiral, but you found some friends and some family in the church because you found out that God loved, if that's you, I want you. Come on, look around this room right now. I'm not asking if you're Mary. I'm not asking if you're Martha. I'm not asking if you're James. I'm not asking if you're John. I'm not asking if you're Andrew or Simon Peter. I'm asking, do you want to be a part of the body of Christ? Stand with me in this room. If you want to be a part of the body of Christ, I have good news for you. Your history does not matter like your future does. Yeah, well, I, I've, never, I've never been in a service like this. I've never watched someone yell while they sweat at the same time and glisten on giant screens. That's not... <laughs> I want to tell you something right now. You're more than just a life. You have an eternity at stake. And the plan of Christ was specific. When he told Martha, he said, don't judge Mary so harsh. She's found that one thing. He was telling her, she has found to get close to me. I'm not taking that away from her. He put a plan in place and they sang it. It was such a neat song earlier. I'm just a, a, a nobody trying to tell everybody or something like that. That's, that's neat. That's really the truth. This church is not about big eyes and little U's regardless of what some people want to say because they've spun their own narrative or people that, that don't want to live for God anymore or don't want to come back to the church, regardless of what some people try to post and say and, and certain things. You listen to me right now. The only person that can keep you from coming to church is you. Even the devil cannot keep you from living for God. Because when you make up your mind that you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this text is full of people who came to Jesus and then they learned about the power of repentance. They learned what it meant to say, forgive me. The people that were standing all over this room spontaneously a few minutes ago as I began to ask for examples and they started standing. I wasn't calling their name out. The reason that they began to stand, the reason that you began to get up was because it's your testimony of what he's done in your life. I've heard people say it starts with repentance. It doesn't start with repentance. It starts with faith. 
we have to believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Whether you've been living for God, as I said earlier, for 50 minutes or for 50 years, you hear me Bible college students and hear me elders just alike, we must diligently seek him. I want to give my best gifting to him, yes, but I can never let my gifting be the substitution for the giving of myself. That's why we caution those who even work, and I'll use them as an example right now. Brother Drew, incredible on the drums, but the truth is the drums can never become the replacement for prayer. The keys, the strings... The microphone never get to become a replacement for walking to him and saying, because I believe in you. And everybody in this world is judging me. And everybody in my family might be judging me. But you're the great judge of heaven and earth. You're the great judge of eternity. So I'm walking to you today. And I'm telling you, if there's anything in my life that doesn't please you, And how many know that he is faithful and he is just to forgive? He laid a plan out for us. It started, those were standing a few minutes ago. It started with that, that, that ability to stand because an addiction was gone. It started with faith, but then it was followed by repentance. Where you came, maybe you walked down to the front altar even here or somewhere else. Or maybe you made an altar at your house and you knelt before the Lord. Or you stood before the Lord and you said, forgive me. Because I don't want to live for me. And I don't want to be the person that my, my, my parents or my family vicariously lives through. I don't want to live for them. I want to live for you. I felt that so strong just now. There are people frustrated with your family because they're trying to live through you. And I've come to tell you right now, God desires for you to let him be your main and most important reason for being. So it's followed by repentance. We believe in the salvation process of faith. Repentance. Which means to turn away from sin. In this church we absolutely celebrate baptism. And it doesn't matter how many times we hear about it. I've been preaching for baptism for over two decades and I get excited every time someone preaches about it or teaches about it or talks about it because I know that when someone goes down in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, it literally is remitting. It's taking away. It's carrying away the And if you're here today and you were sprinkled as a child or, or you were baptized at some point not in the name of Jesus Christ, we're here to tell you we applaud every step you've ever made or that your family has ever made towards God. But in the New Testament church, the early church, there was only one way to be baptized and it was in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your I want to know if anybody in this building right here, if you have ever been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you knew because you spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance when you were filled with the baptism of His Spirit, you were baptized in water, but then you were also baptized with His Spirit. I want you to wave your hand at me right now. Pastor, I don't know, not everybody understands that. You better hear me right now. They're receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in almost every denomination out there right now because in the last days, saith. If you've never repented, he wants you to repent. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've never been filled with the gift of His Spirit, evidenced by speaking with tongues, that is a gift for you. 
But you hear me. That is not the end goal. The end goal is that we become witnesses of Him occupying until He returns for His. That we would occupy. Well, I want to be a good friend. I, I don't want to be the kind of friend always talking about God. Great friends talk about God. I've heard people say things like this. Well, I don't want to be too spiritual. You've got to be spiritual. You can be normal and spiritual. Our conversations should be about God. What we watch should edify who we are. I want everybody in this room that's willing right now that simply, maybe you've already been through all these steps. Maybe you're already a faithful witness of Christ. Maybe you're teaching others on a regular basis about Him. But I want everybody in this room, no matter how seasoned, please hear me. I want everybody to jump all the way back to step one that just believes He is. If you're one of those people, whether you're a long-time member of Calvary or whether this is your first Sunday, if you simply believe God is real and Jesus is a friend, that's even closer than a brother. I'm asking you to maybe slip your hands towards heaven in surrender and worship right now. Music team, I want you to come. Singers, I want you to come. With hands lifted all over this room, I feel a challenge to tell somebody that you need to tell him, I'm choosing you today. I believe in you. The Lord is asking somebody in this room, why can't we be friends? Why won't you love my word. Why? Why won't you follow me with all your heart? What is that thing? What is that person? Come on, this is the right step right now all over this room. I, I want everybody in this room in your own way. I want you to just love him. We're going to make a call in a moment for people to come. But right now, I'm asking every person, if you're a seasoned member of this church, you ought to be helping us cultivate the atmosphere in prayer and faith right now. Pray with me that someone's faith might rise in this house. 